Welcome back to the National Citizens Inquiry. Our next witness is Stephen Flippen. Stephen, can you please state your name and spell your first and last name for the record? Sure. My name is Stephen Flippen, S-T-E-V-E-N, last name Flippen, F-L-I-P-P-I-N. Thank you. Stephen Flippen, in your testimony here today, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Thank you. Stephen, you're a pastor who was faced with several government restrictions and mandates that affected your church body as well as your congregation. How did your church react to the initial period of lockdowns and restrictions? Sure. So two weeks to flatten the curve is what we were told. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church here in Saskatoon uh, were completely willing to follow the guidance of Saskatchewan Health, giving them the, the benefit of the doubt that they had some science to sh- support the idea that a short-term uh, shutdown would be beneficial to helping uh, maintain our healthcare system. Uh, we closed our doors uh, in March of 2020, moved our services, our teaching to online, uh, we quickly realized that two weeks was going to be a significantly longer period of time, uh, two and a half year nightmare, really, of, of this COVID disaster. Um, and there was very little, if any, science involved in any of it. And this was our biggest problem. Um, we found that people were falling prey to uh, the repercussions of isolation. So anxiety, depression, loneliness, uh, uncertainty, distress, hopelessness. And we soon began questioning the wisdom behind these decisions of our government and mandates. Uh, Our services remained uh, limited to less than 10 people uh, in person until June of 2020 when we finally decided that we could no longer impose such limits. We, uh, we did try to meet other requirements as we could. We moved, we've got big wooden heavy pews. We moved pews out of our facility to accommodate social distancing. We provided masks and signage and hand sanitizer and arrows on the floor to control the flow of traffic and everything else that we now know is absolute and utter nonsense. Uh, we canceled our children's ministry. We, we did everything we could to try to comply. Uh, we segregated families as best we could. We canceled social events like potlucks and weekly in-person studies and nursery. And, but what we could no longer do was limit our service to 10 people. Um, and uh, frankly, what we found was that our people's mental and spiritual health were being far more threatened um, as was everyone in society by the, the, the COVID lockdowns than they were by COVID itself. Uh, to our delight, in June of 2020, the restrictions eased, giving us more capacity for in-person uh, attendance. This would be enough to accommodate, at that time, the people who wanted to, to attend in person. We, we breathed a sigh of relief at the time, but we knew come the next flu season, those restrictions would be returning. And uh, so our membership met and discussed the issues. We decided that should those uh, restrictions return, we would not be imposing capacity limits at all. Um, that the, 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 the problem for us is that the king of the church is not 
Scott Moe. And it is not Dr. Shahab, and it is not Justin Trudeau. The king of the church is Jesus Christ and him alone. And uh, so Christ orders us to regularly gather together as a local assembly. Christ orders us over 30 times in the New Testament to practice what we call the one another's. And you cannot practice those commands of Christ apart from gathering together. And, and so Christ's commands were far more important to us. Christ's commands are non-negotiable. Christ's commands are not subservient to public health, nor will they ever be. And, and so, also your concerns over the well-being of your congregation's mental state. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, so the, one of the other restrictions that was placed on churches was the prohibition of singing. Um, the problem is our Christ commands us to sing. And, and so I, I probably don't need to tell you where we landed on that command. In the fall of 2020, Restrictions did tighten again, back to 30 people in person, and, and of course that was plus staff and volunteers. The interesting thing for us at that time was that the local Costco here in Saskatoon was permitted to have 818 people in their store at that point uh, at one time, and they were able to rotate new people in and out of the store all day long while our church was permitted to have 30 people. Uh, we simply did not have room in our mandate from Christ to accommodate such limits because Christ welcomes all who come to him. And as his ambassadors in this world, we are expected to do the same. Uh, our church was not in any way flaunting our choice of disobedience. We were simply going about our business uh, quietly, peacefully, and allowing any who chose to come in person and worship with us a space to worship. Stephen, uh, yes. can you give a little bit more information on the process that your church went through to reach that decision? Was it a board? Was it a congregation meeting? Yeah, we, we have, we have uh, elders of our church who, who make all spiritual decisions for the church. Uh, we did consult with our members of the church, and, and we came to uh, uh, an, an agreement um, yeah, okay. fairly unanimously. Okay. Um, so we simply could not, uh, we, we had canceled a ton of services for our people, but we could not compromise the Sunday morning worship. And uh, we began to grow as a church um, as a result of people finding out that we were allowing all who would choose to worship to come and, and, and join us. Uh, they were being neglected by their churches, and, uh, and we gave them a, a place to, to find teaching and fellowship. We would not turn them away, because it, for us to turn people away from worshiping our Christ is for us to, to flagrantly disobey our king, and we couldn't do that. So we uh, quietly continued peacefully gathering, and, uh, and by the way, our COVID numbers, as far as spread within the church, uh, weren't any worse than the world around us. In fact, I would say, because we left masking decisions up to the individual, after all, each individual in Canada has the, the, uh, the right to personal bodily autonomy guaranteed them in the charter. 
And so we left those decisions to the individuals. And, uh, and, and because most of our people chose not to wear masks, uh, not to place a COVID collector over in their respiratory path, I would guess that actually our, our sickness in the church was far less than, than the world around us. Um, that's science, of course. Uh, I, I believe it was in early December that I received of 2021 that I, or sorry, 2020, that I received a, a complaint from Sask Health that someone had uh, levied against us. Uh, we responded uh, truthfully, letting Sask Health know that we were doing everything we could to accommodate the mandates. And we were, everything we could. We heard nothing further until mid-January of 2021 when we received a second complaint. The following Sunday, we had uh, a member, a uh, constable from the Saskatoon Police Service visit. Uh, he had received a complaint regarding the number of cars in the parking lot, wanted to give us a warning, but his supervisor insisted that he come in and do an investigation and report to Sask Health. He arrived after our service had concluded. We proceeded to allow him into our facility. He looked around, made his observations. The following week, we were visited by, uh, covertly by a, a health inspector with Sask Health. He arrived as our service was already underway. And uh, as he tried to enter, he didn't identify himself as, as a, a representative of Sask Health, but it was fairly easy to spot. Um, we informed him at that time that the Criminal Code of Canada, Section 176, prohibits the disruption of worship services or disturbance to the solemnity of worship services in Canada. Uh, allow me, if you would, to read from Section 176 of the Criminal Code. It says this, Every person is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than two years or is guilty of an offense punishable on summary conviction who, A, by threats or force, unlawfully obstructs or prevents or endeavors to obstruct or prevent an officiate from celebrating a religious or spiritual service or performing any other function in connection with their calling, or B, knowing that an officiant is about to perform or is on their way to perform or is returning from a performance of any of the duties or functions men mentioned in paragraph A, assaults or offers any violence to them or arrests them on a civil process or under the pretense of executing a civil process. Two, everyone who willfully disturbs or interrupts an assemblage of persons met for religious worship or for moral, social, or benevolent purpose is guilty of an offense punishable on summary conviction. Three, everyone who at or near a meeting referred to in subsection two willfully does anything that disturbs the order or solemnity of the meeting is guilty of an offense punishable on summary conviction. I read those words because I think it's very important that those words be entered into the public record. Um, those words have meaning. They're not difficult to understand. You do not need a law degree in order to recognize what it is that statute prohibits. 
yes, it does apply to law enforcement. In fact, that statute was put in the Criminal Code of Canada specifically to protect the church from the state. It is statutes like this that separate Canada, or are supposed to separate Canada, from communist and totalitarian states. We have the freedom to worship in this country. And yes, Section 176 does apply to public health. They are not to disrupt, ob uh, uh, obstruct, prevent, interrupt, interfere, prohibit, disturb in any way. Bringing police officers into the service to check for social distancing and massing and uh, masking and capacity limits and hand sanitizing, yes, most definitely that does qualify as a disruption to the solemnity of the worship service. It, it moves people's focus from our worship of God to the happenings of the world around us as imposed by the state. It, it's also, uh, you know, we, we could also think of what other aspects of the criminal code of Canada were absolutely set aside for public health. I, I, I can think of none. So, um, Stephen, what was the outcome of these investigations by the police and public health? Yeah, so uh, SHA did, uh, they, they, they weren't allowed in our building. Um, which they, they tried a number of times. We, we, we would allow them in after our services concluded, but not during our worship service. So a number of times they, they tried gaining access. Um, e eventually, uh, we were given, uh, uh, we were given a, a number of tickets, uh, three tickets, two, two given to individual elders of our church and one to the church as an entity. Uh, for obstructing a lawful investigation. And I, I, frankly, that's laughable because a lawful investigation does not violate the law in order to investigate. That's number one. Um, so three obstruction charges, one ticket for $14,000 for a mass gathering, and three charges uh, to individuals in the church for failure to wear a face covering as per the SHA requirements. And what were the amount of these fines? Well, the, there was the $14,000 public, uh, the mass gathering, the obstruction charges written to the two individual elders of the church could potentially be as high as $75,000 a piece, I believe it was. And the, the, the obstruction charge written to the church as an entity could have been as high as 250000 So... Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is we were the only corporate entity in Saskatchewan that I'm aware of that was ticketed by SaskHealth and not reported to the media. And I think that's very interesting. Um, why would they why would they not fully disclose the fact that Saskatchewan Health was targeting um, churches was targeting worshipers uh, for simply coming to worship and practice their faith. Um, my guess is they didn't want the public to know, uh, and, and we'll leave it at that. They were probably ashamed. They should be ashamed. 
So what happened with these tickets? So, uh, well, I, I would say uh, our, uh, so our government spied on churches, threatened churches, imposed huge financial penalties on churches for worshiping. We, of course, were fully aware there, there were pastors in Canada. Like, this is Canada. This isn't China. Pastors in Canada went to jail for worshiping. So, um, yeah, I, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is supposed to be the supreme law of our land, um, recognizes, and that's an important word, it recognizes. The, the government of Canada does not give us our rights. If we read the preamble to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, we recognize that our rights are granted us by God himself, by the sovereign God. And uh, that's very important for us to understand. Um, the province, in order for the government to, to limit our rights in Canada, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms requires them to demonstrably demonstrate that, the, that the, 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 the things that they're putting into place are needed and reasonable for limiting such freedoms. They hadn't even tried. They, they just assumed that because we say so, that, that means it is what it is. So, and, and the problem is the courts of our land gave them carte blanche uh, access to do that. Uh, they, they, there was no accountability whatsoever. Um, our day in court finally did arrive, September of 2022, and the, the prosecution extended to us a deal at that time, which our lawyers urged us to accept based mainly on the obstruction charges. Uh, we were told that no court would ever read Section 176 of the criminal code the way we did. Now, that's, it's important that, that I read that for you. It's not difficult to understand. If a court can't read that document the way we did, then the court is not capable of reading. It's that simple. Um, that statute is clear, exceptionally so. Um, so the, the government sought to amend the, the charges for, uh, from the church as an entity to myself as its pastor, and, uh, which they, they did. Uh, and again, seeking to limit the government's exposure to, to the public knowing that they were targeting and, and financially penalizing a church. In the end, uh, our church or our pastor, which is the same thing, uh, were, we were fined a total of $19,600 for, for uh, obstruction, mask, uh, ma a mass gathering, and uh, those were both given to myself and then two face mask violations uh, which were given to individuals of the church. So in total, $19,600 for worshiping in Canada. Um, by the way, this, was, this today is the first time that those fines are, are being exposed publicly. The government of Saskatchewan never exposed the fact that they charged our church. Um, it was reported in the newspaper, the mass gathering, uh, at one point about a month after it happened, but uh, other than that. 
So. And Stephen, another thing I wanted to bring up is, as well as you being forced to take responsibility personally for these charges in the deal, you also had a very unusual quarantine experience when you and your family contracted COVID. Yeah. Uh, so in March of 2021, uh, yeah, March of 2021, um, my wife, uh, we, we had th three foster children in our home at the time, along with our two sons. And uh, one of the foster children contracted COVID from school, and we know that because of the contact tracing and all of that. And uh, of course, it made its rounds through the whole house. Um, we, we were all contacted by SHA, ordered to you know, quarantine and all of that, which we did. Uh, every day throughout our quarantine, we were contacted by SaskHealth. And uh, on the last day, we were called, each of us individually, by SaskHealth to release us from quarantine. Uh, it was about three or four days later that I got a call from the public health inspector who had been harassing our church. Uh, I would ask one, how did he get record? How did he get my personal health record? Because legally, he had no right to my personal health record. He's a health inspector. Um, so that, that's number one. Uh, he called me and, and he informed me that he was, of his own authority, rescinding my release from quarantine because there was a new variant of concern and, and there was a new protocol put in place. Um, the problem was he, he didn't rescind any other member of my family's quarantine. The kids were all back in school. My wife was back at work. Everything was, was fine for them, but I was to remain in quarantine for another, I think it was seven days. And um, what was happening during those seven yeah. days coming up? Yeah, that was the interesting part. It happened to be the Easter weekend of 2021. And uh, we had three worship services planned that weekend. And this health inspector was trying to shut down the worship of our church during what is one of the most important weekends of our, of our year as we celebrate the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So um, why does all of this matter? Um, the, the church in, in Western culture has always been seen as of benefit to society um, and, and for very good reason. Where the Christian gospel flourishes, crime and poverty are reduced. Um, the, the gospel message that man is sinful, that man is answerable to a holy God who must, by nature of his character and righteousness, punish sin and sinner, and of course, our problem is that we are sinners who can expect nothing from God but wrath and punishment. But God, being rich in mercy, with great love that he had for us, gave his son, he sent his one and only son, that who would, whoever would believe on him and his payment on our behalf to cover the cost of our sinfulness, that we would be saved from that vengeance of God. Those saved are given a new heart. Uh, a new direction to love God and to keep his commands. I, I, I mention all of that because our Canadian law is actually based on the moral law of God, or at least historically it has been. 
Therefore, where the gospel impacts men and women, society is bettered. Uh, Allow me, if you would, to quote from the first president of the United States who said this, We are persuaded that good Christians will always be good citizens, and that where righteousness prevails among individuals, the nation will be great and happy. Now, sadly, a pastor here in Canada, Pastor Steve Long, a Canadian Baptist minister who met three times with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, our Prime Minister instead referred to evangelical Christians in Canada as the worst part of Canadian society. Hopefully, as I read those two quotes, you can spot the difference between a great leader and someone that history should wish passes quickly and is forgotten just as quickly. One more thing I wanted to ask you, Stephen. You mentioned that your congregation grew over this time. How much did your congregation grow? So we, uh, pre-COVID, we were running about 90 people per week uh, in in-person in attendance. And uh, we, we lost a few during COVID. Uh, by the way, we didn't lose any that I'm aware of because of fear of COVID. We lost a few out of fear of losing their jobs if their employers were to find out that they attended that church. Uh, we lost some because they didn't feel like they could bear the financial penalties that could come upon them should they continue to, to uh, attend our church. Uh, but uh, while well, today we're running probably an average of about 220 people at, at Fellowship Baptist. So, okay. so God has blessed us uh, a great deal. I'd like to turn it to the commissioners to see if they have any questions for you. Thank you for your testimony. You made, I, I just would like some clarity. You made a comment about disobedience, and I'm just wondering, is it peaceful civil disobedience, or as you allude, uh, obedience to a different king? Yeah, well, I, I would say both. Um, um, so, n- number one, within the church, we have a responsibility to be obedient to our Lord. That's what matters in the church. But we are also citizens of Canada. And as our, as our government infringed, infringed upon rights that are guaranteed to us in the Charter, um, un- unless they are demonstrably demonstrated to be needed to be curtailed, um, we have the right in Canada to, to, to submit to our conscience and and uh, and and uphold those rights. In 2015, the PM also said that Christians need need not apply. And that was, I think, before he was PM. Do you remember that comment? And did you see the writing on the wall for his personal bias towards Christian churches? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the writing on the wall has been has been clear for some time, uh, certainly. And in Ontario, where I am from, one of the questions we often asked is why it was only the Jesus-believing churches that were being targeted and um, the police were surrounding. So in other words, what we found in Ontario, and it might be just because it's a greater metropolis than the city of Toronto, 
is that the other churches were not being targeted, the non-Christian churches. So that would be the atheists, the mosques, etc. And you may not have had it because of population here, but it was something that was happening there. Do you have any reference points that are thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why that is. Um, I, I, I think that we believe fervently that obedience to our king is necessary and, uh, and that, that should we be placed in a situation where we are forced to choose between obedience to Christ and obedience to our government, we must choose obedience to Christ. And, uh, and I think we're unique in that, in that fashion. Um, yeah. My next question is, um, you alluded to having moved all the furniture and tried to implement all the mandate measures in, within the church building. And I'm just wondering if you were to uh, turn the tables a little bit, would the government or the health authorities allow you to go to their bulletin board and put a sign up that said, Jesus loves you? <laughs> yeah, my guess is not. Yeah. And you referred to the court. The, the lawyers had advised you not to pursue this in one way. I'm just wondering what that legal precedent will do going forward if you had chose to go the other way or the fact that you made that decision. Well, it's interesting because I, I believe it was in 2017 the Prime Minister and the Liberal Party of Canada sought to remove Section 176 from the Criminal Code. Mm -hmm. That's interesting to me. Um, what we what we found in the last few years is that because the, the reason that statute was not removed from the criminal code is because there was an outcry from Canadians saying no that's important that it remain in our criminal code and so rather than remove it from the criminal code we just ignored it and what precedent is set when the courts ignore the fact that it's in the criminal code, I think that's very dangerous. What other sections of the criminal code of Canada will our courts decide they can impose if they choose to? That's dangerous. And that comment segues into my final question. What recommendations do you have for the courts when it comes to dealing with our charter of rights and freedoms? Our um, our ability to have the right to worship, or to have a conscience, to believe, thought, all of those freedoms and rights that we have. What um, recommendations would you give to the courts and the institutions that are in this country that might uh, facilitate less, um, maybe facilitate more understanding of uh, freedom of religion yeah. in Canada? I I'm not a lawyer. Um, but, I, but I will say, reading the Charter and, and, and watching how the Charter has been um, manipulated and, 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 and ignored, I, number one, get rid of Section 1. Um, that, that when, when the government is, is allowed to, uh, to determine what what freedoms we should, what, what, how we should limit freedoms um, uh, willy-nilly, which is, is exactly what happened here. I mean, there, was, there, there has been no evidence given whatsoever that masks work 
so why are why are masks imposed? Why, why, why? What's the evidence showing that 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 Costco should have 800 people and the church should have 30 people? There's no evidence for that. It's all arbitrary. What's the evidence for two meters of social distancing? All of this, none of it was uh, needed. None of it was helpful. Um, so, number one, get rid of the the section one of the charter. Um, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot we we could say. I think. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, Pastor Flippin. You said that prior to COVID, your congregation was around 90, and now it's around 210 people, something like that, attending Sunday service? That's right. Canada, some people would say that Canada is becoming more secular. And as such, some people in this country might not understand exactly who your congregation is made up of. Can you comment on what kind of people go to your church? Well, uh, we have a, a, a very broad spectrum of folks at our church. We have, uh, we have a lot of young families. We have, uh, and, and our, our congregation spreads the entire age uh, gamut. We have, uh, we have a number of people who, are, uh, who have, in the last 10 years, immigrated to Canada. We've got you name it, you know, we, we've got it in our church. Um, so you would say that it, it, it's a broad spectrum of everyday Canadians absolutely. from all walks of life, all backgrounds, absolutely. ages? Yep. So kind of a representative slice of Canada. Certainly. Can you describe the nature of the relationship between your congregation and its pastor? And its pastor, and its, and its pastor yourself. Well, I would I would say the the relationship between the church and myself is a very close relationship. Um, um, the the church relies on on the the service that I provide uh, in in teaching and counseling and 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 just being there for them. Um, not sure what else you well what i'm what i'm asking i guess is i'm we're getting it what i'm trying to get at is that you serve a community support absolutely so you're you're you're, you're you've created community you're supporting community you're you're trying to if you will um, provide a social fabric in which your congregation can can live and prosper in for sure during the lockdowns and during the times of isolation was the government doing anything to promote that same social environment, that, that sense of community amongst people to give them hope that you were trying to do? No, not only were they not doing that, but they were, they were pressing further. They were threatening. I mean, we, as a church, my family, our congregation, we believed sincerely that I was going to be going to jail for keeping our church open. And uh, so, so not only was our government not filling that void, they were threatening to jail those who were. I'm not from Saskatchewan, but I did hear you say that during the time that you were under lockdowns and that you were restricted, Costco was open and, and were liquor stores open. 
Yes. Were marijuana stores open? Yes. But churches were under restriction, were under inspection? Yeah. How many people in your congregation died from COVID-19 to your knowledge? To my knowledge, we had one individual who died uh, with COVID. And I, I, would, I would question whether it was COVID that killed them. Thank you, sir. On behalf of the National Citizens Inquiry, I'd like to thank you very much for your testimony today, Pastor. Thank you.